You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, I just felt like we got punk. Dan Feldman here. Welcome to Locked On Pistons. You can follow Locked On Pistons on Audio Boom or subscribe on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Feldman NBA. That was Marcus Morris talking about the Pistons' loss to the Kings, and he was exactly right. The Pistons got punked. The Pistons were riding high on a three-game win streak, had a home game against a team worse than Detroit, a team that had come back against the Pistons in Sacramento. Detroit blew a lead, uh, had all the reasons to look for, for revenge, for all, had all the reasons uh, to keep momentum going, to be focused for this game. And the Pistons came out and got outworked, got out-hustled, produced a dud. Uh, give a lot of credit to the Kings. They played especially hard. Their energy was excellent. Detroit's wasn't so much bad overall, although we're going to point to one player who's was bad. Uh, but overall, the Pistons' energy was okay. The Kings' energy was excellent. Uh, the Kings are on an extended road trip. They had a long trip into Detroit. Uh, their plane was delayed. They had to fly into Metro instead of closer Pontiac, so they had to end up taking a bus. Uh, they were sore to the point where Dave Yeager said before the game uh, that they're not going to practice tomorrow. He was already looking ahead that this was just the wear and tear on them that he didn't want to add on to. Probably a smart move. Uh, a lot of coaching is about knowing when to rest players now. That's uh, emerging as a big thing. Uh, but the fact that he was complaining about it just gave me the impression that, like, okay, they're taking this as a scheduled loss. And I had this whole thing planned about how, yes, yeah, scheduled losses happen to a degree, but they don't happen in full. There aren't true 100% schedule losses. There are games where because of the schedule that you have tougher odds. It also depends on the quality of a team you are. You know, if you're playing at Golden State with two days rest, one or two days rest, and the Warriors are on a back-to-back, yeah, you still might be in tough shape. But if you're on the back-to-back and they're rested, well, then it's really, really tough. Where If you're on, the, on a, a back-to-back and, and you're playing the Nets, that might not be a schedule loss in the same way, even if the schedule leading up to those games sets up the same way. Well, I don't know whether Jaeger was putting on a front just to lower expectations or whether his players were on a different page than him, but they came to play. They played hard. Neither team uh, really played that well for a lot of stretches in the first half. A lot of uh, sloppy miscues, uh, a lot of like blown bunnies in this game right by the basket, open shots, uh, a lot of weird stuff, but the Kings played harder. They deserve to win this, uh, and that's a problem for the Pistons. The Pistons do not have this margin for error where even a team like the Kings, the Pistons are better than the Kings, but the Pistons aren't so much better that they can bring a lackluster effort against a Kings team bringing a good effort and expect to win. That's just not enough. That's not who the Pistons are. They're not a team that can that can cruise through games. And really, nobody else in the Eastern Conference in this tier really is. Some teams have been better at figuring out who they are and what they need to do to win than others. But they're all kind of in this mix where the Pistons are among them, where if you play hard and your shots are falling that night, you can look pretty good. Uh, when one of those two are happening, you look okay, and when neither is happening, you look bad. Uh, the Pistons looked okay because, for the most part, their shots were dropping, with one notable exception, uh, and that exception is Contavious Caldwell-Pope. So I guess, I guess we'll start with KCP uh, and, and get off to what maybe 
is the sign of encouragement from this game. KCP came back from his rotator cuff injury, but he shot just 4-14, one of eight on three-pointers, really dragged the Pistons down. His teammates were nine of 20 on three-pointers, shooting 45% from beyond the arc. He was just one for eight. That is a lot to overcome offensively. Uh, It was too much to overcome offensively. Got to think that as KCP gets in a better rhythm over time, that's going to bode well for him, bode well for the Pistons. Uh, So if this loss is just the cost of you got to get him back, you got to give him how many ever games to work through it, and so you want to start that process as quick as possible. Like You're going to have to lose a couple to get to the better point. Well, what else are you going to do? And if that's all this is, great. The Pistons can get back on track as soon as KCP feels back on track. The concern is that maybe there's a little more to it, uh, that he was posting career highs in, sh- in his outside shooting before he got hurt, uh, and that was maybe over his head a little bit and was due to for some regression to the mean. I don't think he's going to be shooting one for eight regularly, uh, but maybe he's not quite as good a shooter as he appeared to be when he got down. The other concern uh, is that getting back into rhythm is not just going to be a few-game thing, that there's maybe something lingering with the injury. I don't think that's the case. I don't think he'd rush back in a contract year. I don't think his agent would let him do that. Uh, but until we see something otherwise, I think you have to at least acknowledge that possibility. Uh, the other player I want to single out is Andre Drummond. Uh, and Drummond's performance in this game, I'll start with this. It led to a an interesting back and forth with Vince Ellis of the Detroit Free Press and Stan Van Gundy after the game. Andre, yeah, exactly. Really was not Tennessee to be very engaged tonight. And you guys had a pretty interesting discussion over there on the bench about it. I can't just speak to what he brought you tonight. Well, I mean, you said it, Vince, so you're not going to – you don't have to put the words in my mouth. You can just write what you said. Yep. I, I like that response from Van Gundy. Uh, Vince saw the game. Vince knows what he's talking about. Let Vince say it. Van Gundy doesn't have to pile on, but we all saw that. Drummond came. He didn't come to play. He was getting beat defensively. He was missing easy shots inside. I, he, he shot uh, two of five from the free throw line, 40%, which isn't bad for him. But if you actually watch those attempts, like he was not there. Like these were, even for him, they were, the misses were ugly. Uh, Nate Duncan of the Dunked On podcast, I think, has made a good point uh, repeatedly that you can judge a lot about a player's shooting ability by his misses, how far off the misses are, uh, in addition to just how often he makes them. Uh, these misses were way off. This was not an encouraging two for five. Uh, this was a discouraging two for five from the line. Uh, just just not, not the right effort, not the right engagement, uh, not the right focus. Drummond was off, and we have become accustomed to that. We can get these kinds of games. We can see these kinds of games from him from time to time. And no, that's not acceptable. Yes, that's a problem. Yes, he needs to be better about that. That's all true. But here's the big but. He was still pretty positively impactful. He had 14 points, 12 rebounds, three steals. The Pistons outscored the Kings by three with him on the court. He is so big and athletic and talented that he can't help but make several positive contributions, even in a game where he's not playing up to what his standard should be. That doesn't excuse him. The Pistons need more from him. They can't just say, okay, you did all right, because that wasn't enough. Drummond is the franchise player. He needs to be a lot more than all right. The Pistons are paying him to be more than all right. They're depending on him to be more than all right. 
But I also think it's worth acknowledging that even in his down games, when his effort is, is infuriating, when nothing is, looks like it's going right, he's still making some positive contributions. He's too good. He can't help it. Like he is, His down games are rarely that down. It says something about his ability and where he is and how the Pistons should value him. I know there's a lot of people who want to who wanna trade him, who want to go in a different direction, but I think they lose sight of that, is how good he is at his lows. No, his peaks don't happen often enough. Yeah, his lows happen too often. Like, that's fair criticism. You need more of him. He's still young. He can still grow into it, and it is worth acknowledging how good he can still be. This game was a perfect representation of it. Uh, but he wasn't good enough, and it really stood out against Willie Cauley-Stein. Uh, Stein's energy was excellent. Stein, as Mason called him during the game. Uh, I don't know if that came through on TV, uh, but I did get a kick out of that when he just called him Stein instead of Cauley-Stein. Uh, so that, that showed up. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins, 22 points, but he needed 21 shots, 6 assists, but he had 6 turnovers. He was a little bit all over the place, but when he locked in, he was still really impactful, still very good. Uh, not much of the Pistons could do about him. The The way he played, the attention he drew, it opened up some things for for uh, Costa Kufos uh, and other players on the court. And then Ty Lawson came in. It uh, was very quick, very aggressive. The Pistons had no way of stopping him. Uh, that got Darren Collison going a little bit. The Pistons just could not slow down their point guards at the point of attack. Uh, the Pistons bench was particularly bad, which maybe is an encouraging thing because the starters are more important. Uh, so maybe this was just something where, well, you're going to get inconsistent performances from your bench. This was a down one. Oh, well, like that's going to happen at sometimes. You need your starters to be more dependable overall. Uh, so maybe, maybe that's another small sign of encouragement going forward. Uh, but overall, the assessment was deservedly harsh. Uh, Moore's expanded on his we got punked comment. What do you think the, uh, the biggest difference in the game was? Man, the attitude of the game, you know, they just seemed like they wanted it more. You know, they, they had, you know, they had a lot of toughness. You know, they played really hard. Uh, you know, they talked their shit. They did what they needed to do, man. You know, I feel like we wasn't up to that challenge. Morris, it seems, often speaks for the team in that he talks about what they want to do, what their standards that he's holding them to are, uh, what, you know, in sort of an aspirational way he talks for the team. I'm not sure how much he talks to the team, though, uh, at least in a way that gets listened to. And the Pistons had the players-only meeting earlier in the year that led to the great Stan Van Gundy player, players meeting my ass, or team meeting my ass. Uh, it was Morris who said he did most of the talking, and then the Pistons came out and lost anyway. He's a, he plays tough. He prides himself on that. Uh, it's not always there 100%. But I think he holds himself accountable when it's not. It doesn't usually linger with him. Uh, sometimes the results aren't always there with his shooting. Uh, his aggressiveness uh, as a rebounder isn't always good enough. Uh, but he's trying to uphold himself to the standard, trying to uphold his teammates to the standard. I think his message is falling flat, though, at times. You could see it in this game. The Kings were the tougher team, and that's disappointing. Uh, while we're on Marcus Morris, this isn't really a take away something I, I think to learn a lot from, uh, but just a little interesting tidbit I, I saw at the game. Uh, we'll end on this. Marcus Morris talked about how the key against DeMarcus Cousins is frustrating him. And that's kind of a double-edged sword because when he gets all riled up, 
he can start playing great. I think usually, though, I think you are better off frustrating him. That when he gets upset with its, whether it's with the opponent or with the referees or usually both, it takes him out of his game a little bit. He still can be very good. He can be great. He can be better in those situations. Uh, but I do think it's the right approach. Uh, so there was a free throw where, where Morris and Drummond were lined up uh, around the paint next to each other. And uh, the free throw is about to come. And Morris just put his hand on Cousin's leg. Like just, just set it right there. Just planted his hand on Cousin's leg in a pretty awkward way. And Cousins just, like, reacted quickly. Like, he just looked infuriated. He just looked so mad. He chopped Morris's hand away. Uh, when the ball went up and they were boxing out, there was pushing and shoving between them. Like, that one small little gesture, just putting his hand on, on Cousins' leg, that got Cousins going. Like, that got him teed up. And I'm not sure that had an effect on his play, but that was Morris's strategy, was to frustrate Cousins. And that was a, a clear sign of it working. Just one of the, the things in the veteran's bag of tricks. We'll have more on the Pistons in the week ahead. They have four off days coming up. Stan Van Gundy was not happy with how that schedule set up, uh, but we'll have plenty of content between now and Saturday's game against the Heat. You can follow Locked on Pistons on Audio Boom or subscribe on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Feldman NBA. Thanks for listening.